Hi, this is Justin Edinburgh and you're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full-Time Podcast. I'm Luke Edwards, here to look over the National League results from the top division, the north and the south as well. We've got lots of interviews and reaction on the way for you. And joining me to look over the National League results this week is Tom Lang. Hello, Tom. Hi, Luke. How's it going? Yeah, good. Cheers. Um, interesting day across the three divisions. You were down at Woking Billericay, which we'll hear about later. It was, a, it was an interesting day, to say the least. But we'll look at that later on, as I say, and we'll move on to the National League now. And we'll go straight to the top of the tree, where Wrexham went with a 2-0 win over all the shot yesterday uh, good game for them goals from Stuart Bevan and Jordan Maguire drew over all the shot and before we get Tom's reaction Rob caught up with the Wrexham manager Sam Ricketts I'm joined by uh, Sam Ricketts at the racecourse ground where he's uh, steered if that's the right word he's tied to uh, another three points at home this afternoon and, and, and to the top of the early National League table Sam you've got to learn an awful lot very quickly in front of a very passionate set of fans it's not an easy job that you've got but it's going well to start with yeah this is it's a fantastic job fantastic support from the fans we, we turn up in numbers wherever we go four five six thousand at home we go away we take you know thousands um it's fantastic comes that comes expectation as well especially when we start the season so well what i'm trying to do is just manage that really and make sure everyone realizes the last four years this club's only come mid-table um they've not made the playoffs the last four years so we are trying to improve on that now we're top of the table which is obviously a massive improvement but if we was if we rely on sixth seventh you know that's still an improvement on where the club's come the last four years so we want to be the best we're going to every game wanting to win yeah but we have to remain realistic as well sometimes last season you had a very very tight defense 22 clean sheets i think it was an awful lot of games earlier on in the season um, where, where they kept the nil and occasionally got the one occasionally didn't but this season you've been scoring some twos and some threes so pretty evident where you needed to kind of improve and strengthen wasn't it but uh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're trying to we're trying mm. to um, we want to score more goals we want to make the game entertaining I want to try and control the game um, a little bit better with the board and at times we did it really well today but as a whole yeah listen, the, the defence of, of this club is, is sound pretty good one way I thank the previous manager saying listen great thanks for that because it's the basis of any good team is a solid defence um, and now it's just a question of trying to get more goals which we've done so far now Wrexham's defence is one that I could just without even thinking I could name that back four that played the last season this season got 25, 26 clean sheets but you had two of those missing today and stepping into the to the fold was Mark Carrington obviously really versatile player for you that can, can slot in anywhere and, and young Doug Tharm and uh, what a great game he had before he had to come off with injury replacing uh, the very experienced Manny Smith Yeah so Doug had um, come on the last two games actually through injury he had to step in right back and, and centre back and done fantastically well and today he wasn't due to play we didn't get international clearance on uh, on Brad Walker so I texted Doug this morning saying Doug make sure you're ready because there's a chance you might be playing today and, and step up he did he was fantastic for his debut full debut at home as well and he, um, he headed and, and passed the ball really well uh, delighted for him I've just had a question with him about a 19 year old getting cramp which he assures me he won't get again uh, but I'm delighted for him it's funny how football works you know he wasn't down to start today but he got his opportunity and, and certainly took tough it. to improve I'm obviously the most important thing you're gathering points along the way and scoring more goals as you said but uh, interesting the, the way today's game panned out because in the first 20-25 minutes all the shot I'm sure you can see that had control of the the ball and the game quite a lot. They didn't hurt you, which is important. Yep. You stayed in the game in that period, but I, I guess you want to move more towards being able to control the game and and keep the. Yeah, it took yeah. 10, 20 minutes for us to get a hold of hold of the game and, and get enough pressure and, and stop them playing. All the shot, listen, a, a really nice side to watch. They move the ball really well. They have really good movement. We're aware of that. 
and it took us 20 minutes to actually try and nullify that a little bit, get a little bit more pressure in the field, get a bit more, um, uh, a few more tackles in a bit, a little bit tighter, stop them being able to switch the play. And after 20-25 minutes, we actually stepped up ourselves, and, and that's probably one thing we need to do is start better. So that was the Wrexham manager Sam Ricketts and Tom. What a great start for Wrexham, and I think. It's even beyond their wildest dreams at the top at the minute. Yeah, I mean, they've really, really hit the ground running this season, haven't they? I think we knew they were a good side. We've talked about them numerous times on this podcast about how good a defensive unit they are. The fact they've only conceded four goals in eight games, best record in the league, joint with uh, Fylde, is indicative of that. But they found a focal point this season in Mike Fondock. And although he wasn't required to score yesterday, which is great, you know they're sharing the goals around the team, a 2-0 win at home to Aldershot is is a really good result for them. Rob's spoken to us at great length, hasn't he, uh, both on air and off, about the travail of Aldershot. Still, to beat them 2-0 is a really good result. Yeah, and that keeps Aldershot just above the relegation goal, relegation zone. Who'd have thought we'd been saying that at this stage of the season? But in terms of Wrexham, I think the game-changer for them was bringing in Maguire-Drew right on virtually before the start of the season and he's such a proven player at this level even though he's still young yeah he is and um, he's you know he's coming from Brighton so he's got that Premier League uh, academy class at technical level um, but as you say he's got experience at this level so he knows what's taken the league to compete uh, he's got three goals for the season already and he's playing the foil to Mike Fondop really well Fondop's pace and his strength it keeps defenders occupied and that gives Maguire Drew the space to, to operate in as an offensive unit it's looking really good for them in second place is Harrogate Town one of only three teams who are still yet to be beaten in the National League this season they carried on their brilliant form with a 4-0 home win against Eastleigh and Again, another team who probably was hoping for a solid start, but not as good as this one. I mean, Simon Weaver must be absolutely delighted. Uh, yeah, of course. Um, again, we spoke about Harrogate pre-season in our preview, and none of us really expected them to struggle. I think one thing that has been shown from the relative starts of Harrogate and Salford compared to Haven and Braintree is that maybe the strength for the teams coming up from the National League North is that little bit higher. But a 4-0 home win against Eastleigh, another two goals for Jack Muldoon, what an absolutely fantastic start for them I think they're sitting uh, in third in the league at the moment uh, second sorry as you say and Eastley on the other hand um, you just never knew what to expect from them really they can turn up great results like winning 2-1 away at Barnet but then just uh, a week or two later they get stuffed 4-0 by Harrogate their last three losses though they've been against Edsley, Harrogate and Wrexham so there's no shame in that yeah really good really good result for Harrogate and a fantastic start yeah, the big thing for Harrogate as well is he started off the season well without the leading goal scorer or one of the top marksmen, Mark Beck, and now he's back in the uh, in the side after injury and he's scoring goals as well, which is is, is a really good thing for Harrogate because it's not like they weren't scoring goals before Beck came in and he's just adding another option to them. Yeah, and it's those options, as you say, that it is going to be crucial for them. This is a long season; it's a forty-six game season more than they'll have played last season and having three good options up front in Beck, Muldoon and Dominic Knowles could be really crucial for them when we get later in the season and suspensions and injuries start to take their toll and as you say about Eastleigh Tom I mean what do you think it is with them because they've got on paper I know it's not played on paper as Brian Clough once said but what do you think it is you look at the names on there they've got Danny Hollands there they've got Graeme Stack in goal they've got Oscar Goldburn who's got league experience Reader Johnson Gavin McCallum Chris Zabrowski why is it not clicking from do you think uh, it hasn't over the last couple of seasons has it but why do you think that is it hasn't and I I don't know to be honest um, Eastleigh aren't actually a team I've ever seen play live um, but also in the, in the manager they've got Dan uh, Andy Hessenthaler he also has a great deal of experience across league and non-league football so it looks as you say on paper 
as though they're well set up to compete at the top levels of the league. Certainly the money that was there originally uh, was was put in with that intent. Um, I know that's gone now, but they still have the squad which should be able to compete at the top level of the National League football. Um, and for some reason, consistency always seems to be a problem for them. Um, and I don't really expect that to change this season. Yeah, if there are any Eastley fans listening, get in touch with us on Twitter at NL Full Time. Another team, as we said, who haven't lost this season are Fylde, and they got a brilliant win down at Ebbsfleet. Don't forget, Ebbsfleet are a, a really good side at the minute. Not really clicked for them, so it's just outside the playoffs. But for Fylde to go down there and win is a really good result, Tom. And Danny Rowe, surprise, surprise, on the score sheet again, and he's gone top of the goal-scoring charts now. Yeah, I think that's is that seven for him now this season. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we'll see him much further uh, down the goal-scoring charts than where he is at the moment. He's just such a consistent goal scorer, isn't he? And um, what's brilliant about Danny is he scores absolutely all types of goals as well. For Ebbsfleet, as you say, that, that is a really, really good result for the Files. Um, Ebbsfleet had only lost one in their last five games coming into yesterday's fixture. So to, to go down to Ebbsfleet and win 3-1 is a brilliant result for Files. But yeah, so basically Ebbsfleet have lost three times at home and do you think that'll be a concern for them? Yeah, it could be. I mean, they've it will click for them. Um, they've they're a very good side. They're still only sixth in the form table at, at the end of the day. Um, they've got Corey Whiteley and Danny Kedwell both scoring goals. Um, I don't really necessarily think there's a problem at home. Losing to Leighton Orient and AFC Fylde is no shame. They're both very good footballing sides. And I think they'll pick up more points at home than they'll drop when you look at it at the end of the season. Finally, the other unbeaten team in the National League, Leighton Orient, who went up to Chesterfield and got a really good result. Now, I don't know whether that's a case of because Leighton Orient are on farm and Chesterfield ran into a really good Leighton Orient team or are Chesterfield well all the early season optimism that we, we saw when we went up and watched Chesterfield versus Aldershot me and Rob at the start of the season that's certainly been burst now I mean Chesterfield are nearer the bottom of the table than they are the top well, you know, they're very much in a rut aren't they they're 20th in the form table they've lost five times in a row they're absolutely in a rut Leighton Orient are polar opposites they're in fantastic form as you say they're one of only three unbeaten teams four wins four draws we all said didn't we last season that it's very rare for a team to come down and bounce straight back up I think there's only been three teams in 12 years or something that have done it Leighton Orient came down maybe they didn't quite have the measure of the league at the beginning of last season Justin Edinburgh came in there was a significant upturn in form after Christmas you could say they were unlucky to miss out on a promotion run themselves this season they're absolutely in the mix um, what I do like about them this season as well is they're sharing the goals around um, they scored 12 but last season they were very dependent on Macaulay Bond for goals and although he's again their top scorer so far they've spread it across seven players with uh, James Dayton getting the goal yesterday James Brophy's been in there Josh Caroma is looking like a real prospect this season so the fact that they can spread that attacking burden around the team a bit more should be a real benefit for them yeah I saw um, Dayton on the first game of the season at Salford and he came off the bench then and made a real impact and he's, he's gradually worked his way into the team and as you say scored the winner on Saturday up at Chesterfield another team who are in the playoffs who have carried on a good form from the end of last season as Solihull Moors they inflicted Barrow's first home defeat of the season and it was an old face um, A.D. Youssef who came back to Hartnham there and uh, all the goals were scored in the last six minutes um, Solihull Moors scored in the 84th and 89th before Barrow pulled the goal back in the 90th minute but Solihull uh, it wasn't just a flash in the pan there farm at the end of the season was it? No it wasn't um, and and again as, as we've talked about earlier Tim Flowers has come in and um, got them playing cohesively as, and as a unit 
he said it himself they're not looking to be the most attractive team in the league they know what their limitations are I think the fact that they've got a goal difference of one and 16 points is indicative of the sort of football they play um, they will look to grind out one goal victories and at the moment that's working for them they've got 16 points from 8 games and they're up in the playoff spots it's a really good it's a difficult place to go Barrow um, although the weather was kind to them yesterday it's not so good when you have to go there in, in the winter months with the wind and rain swirling around it was a quite a nice day on Saturday for them to go up there so they'll be they'll be chuffed to bits with that another team who were doing well as well this season we spoke about them last week as well at Hartlepool they got a win down at Haven't who haven't finding it a bit tougher than, like you say, the northern teams, and I don't know why that is. Is it indicative to say then that the National League South is maybe weaker than the North in that sense, Tom? Or is the more financial backing for the two teams that have come up from the North compared to the ones that have come from the South? Yeah, I mean, we've got to look at the, the type of club that Harrogate and Salford are. As you alluded to there, there's there's a lot of money behind both of those clubs comparative to Braintree and Haven and Waterlooville. Um, I don't think, for example, anyone at the start of the season would have expected Braintree to be one of the sides competing perhaps the opposite you know they they brought in a lot of players from step three and it was a bit of a shock that they came up at Dartford and Hampton and Richmond's ex- and Chelmsford City's expense really however I you know I, I may be wrong on this but I believe there are more full-time teams in the National League North and I think it is possible that the National League North is a slightly stronger league at the moment their opponents Hartlepool who they were playing there uh, they're in the playoff places now it was a, thanks for a late penalty there from Liam Noble and, and Hartlepool are, are doing really really well and there was a lot of discontent I think when Matty Bates got the job I don't think the Hartlepool fans felt he'd done enough to earn it but he's certainly ramming that down the throats at the minute isn't he? It really is um, what's great about Matty Bates is he's recently out of the game as a player himself so he's still got that really good network of contact uh, around the professional leagues look at the list of players who've come to Hartlepool from football league clubs this season Dean Angle on loan from Burton, Luke James from Forest Green, Liam Noble from Notts County, Luke Williams from Scunthorpe. You know, you don't make those sort of signings unless you as a manager have a reputation with players in the Football League. As for Liam Noble, I think he's potentially one of the best players in the division. We saw it when he was at Forest Green, didn't we? How much of an effect he had on their promotion campaign. And that's four for him in the league now. What I'm really enjoying at Hartlepool is um, their right-back Peter Chioso, who was signed from Dunstable Town. Uh, I picked him as one of my breakout players for the division this season. He was brilliant when I watched him for Dunstable last year. And he started really well and he's earning rave reviews up in Hartlepool. They look confident up there. I can see them challenging. And I suppose as well it shows not only has he got a network of contacts in the Football League, but then it shows he's delving deeper as well, isn't he? Because, like you say, you're looking... Dunstable Town last season with Kioso. You're looking at Denanga, who is yet to play for Burton, but he scored loads for AFC Telford last year in the National League North. So it shows that they're looking below as well as up to bring players in. Yeah, and that can't just be him. You know, no, unless you've been in a non-league system for years, you don't have the resources individually to know all that. So he must have a good team around him. He must have a good scouting network set around. You know, particularly the northeast, uh, but as you say, with Telford United and with Dunstable, further south in the country as well, um, and they are picking up these these good players. And finally, we'll look at the final team in the playoffs for now. It's uh, FC Halifax, who again have had a real good start, and that was a good draw down at Sutton. Sutton's never an easy place to go, and they're keeping up their good form, and they're in fourth, and they're only they're only in fourth on goal difference at the minute. Five teams on sixteen points. It's really tight in those playoff spots at the minute, and Halifax 
are in fourth and uh, they'll be chuffed to bits with that with a 1-1 draw down at Sutton yeah it's great isn't it I love this uh, stage of the season we're eight games in you can start to see the table beginning to take shape and the fact that it's already so tight at the top it just tells us it's going to be I think a really great season in the National League Halifax as you say will be really pleased with that draw down at Sutton United I think most of the fans who were at the game will be less pleased I don't think it was a thriller at Gander Green Lane yesterday but realistically um, Halifax Town won't care another point which keeps them well in contention at the top of the table uh, and as you say it's a, it's a good result for them Yeah not much gandamonium going on at Sutton yesterday was there I don't think Looking at the bottom now Dagenham and Redbridge they picked up a good point against Salford but Salford yet to win away from home yet I mean the, the more you go up a division the more savvier teams get it's probably easier for Salford to play at home than it is to go away on the travels at the minute and I think they'll be slightly disappointed that they didn't go to Dagenham and Redbridge and get a win because Dagenham are on the knees a little bit at the minute aren't they? They are and um, it's it's an important point for Dagenham and Redbridge uh, Salford only had 10 men maybe Dagenham would have thought that with, with Salford reduced demand they could have picked up a good three points but it wasn't to be it's going to be a long hard season for, for Dagenham and Redbridge um, so they have to take anything they can when they can get it um, and it's interesting isn't it as we as you discussed there that Salford aren't picking up the points on their travels I'm not sure if as we discussed the other week maybe it is something behind the scenes the club isn't fully set up right yet for those long away trips thankfully for them they've got a nice local derby next week they've got filed but they are a very good side they be interesting to see how they get on there yeah another team who you know quite a lot about Braintree they they brought in four new players this week Bradley Quinton basically said look I've given the, the players he brought us up enough chances and he, he's had to act and he's brought in four new players and he got a draw a good draw yesterday at Boreham Wood yeah and some of those players are really good as well um, yeah, Cameron James he's coming from Colchester United um, should add some, some steel at the back uh, and I like Justin Am- Amalazor who's coming from Barnet uh, I watched him for Bognor Regis last season and he looked like a real player however for them so far it's Mo Bettemer who's been the crucial signing he came in from Staines Town in the summer he scored 27 for them last season uh, and it's three already which isn't a bad return when you're playing in a team that's struggling like Braintree are only being kept off the bottom I think by Dagenham and Redbridge three points from eight I think they would have liked to have got a win under their belt by now they're one of only two teams in the division not to have picked up a win Brad Quinton knows it's going to be a difficult season for Braintree a point away at Bournemouth is a good result but he knows it's going to be a difficult season he knows he doesn't have the recruiting power of some of the other teams around him let's not forget that the players he's looking at in Braintree in the Braintree area looking at part-time players he's competing with some very big and uh, some very well-resourced clubs in that area he's competing with the likes of Chelmsford he's competing with the likes of Billericay Town it's going to be difficult for him to recruit the players that he wants to to compete at this level yeah another team who were surprisingly down there who haven't had a great start to season at Dover they lost 2-1 at home to Barnet on Saturday is that a bit of a surprise for you that they're down there in a minute Tom? I'd say it's possibly a surprise they're as far down there as they are Um, I'm just pulling up my predictions table from the beginning of the season and I predict Dover to be lower mid-table. I didn't think they'd do anywhere near as well as they did last season because of the players they've lost. I spoke about it a couple of weeks ago, but Ilisami, Gallagher, Woko, Pari all went out in the transfer window. And the fact that last season Wrexham had the second-best defence in the division, they conceded 44. And so far this season, they've got the worst defence in the division, conceding 19-8, and is not typical of a Chris Kinnear side but it's what happens when you lose four of your best defenders in, in one summer. Playing at home to Barnet yesterday, um, who <clears throat> appear to be finding their stride under John Still, they've now got three wins on the bounce, and they do have a lot of resources up front, so 
they were always going to be one of the sides that would look to uh, take advantage of Dover's instability at the beginning of the season. I think the main source of contention for Dover fans was Chris Kinnear decided not to keep on Ryan Bird, who got a lot of goals from last year. And I think maybe, do you think he'll be regretting that decision now? He could be. Um, I think he'd be more regretting his decision not to really replace Ryan Bird with anyone. I don't think Dover have signed very well up front. They've brought in, uh, well, they've just brought in Masanka on loan from Burnley. And up till that point, they brought in David Smith from Maidstone and Ine Ethion from Ross County. And neither of them have really uh, had an impact. I think his decision to let Ryan Bird go might have been a poor decision in hindsight. And also this week, we heard the news that Jay, Jay Saunders was relieved from his post at Maidstone. I know Rob touched on it briefly last week, but um, what did you make of all that, really, um, Tommy? He was saying that he, he turned on the Macclesfield job in the summer and uh, he was really grateful to Maidstone's loyalty, but enough was enough over the Man Cody weekend and he got he got fired. They they lost 1-0 at Gateshead on Saturday. And a bit of a strange thing. They should have stuck with him a bit longer because they are um, a couple of points clear of the relegation zone at the minute. You know, I don't ever like to see managers lose their job this early into the season. If you've given a manager a summer to build a side, uh, and to develop his squad you've got to give him more than one month to actually use that squad a loss away to Gateshead isn't a bad result particularly um, you know they conceded two penalties one of which Scott Bowden scored the other one he didn't I do feel a little bit for Jay Saunders I think he's done enough to deserve a little bit longer down there but there are some rumours that maybe he's the man that uh, Mr Tamplin's looking to replace Harry Wheeler at Billericay um, whether or not Jay Saunders would want to jump into that role is a different matter but I'm sure he won't be out of out of a job for long and finally we've covered nearly every game anyway so we might as well cover this one Maiden had nearly made it three wins on the spin in a week but they uh, conceded two late goals in stoppage time against Bromley not only two goals but two penalties as well and uh, nerves are still there for Bromley to would it be fair to say they stole a point at Maidenhead yeah I think I think it's a, a fair description that um, Maidenhead as you said they've, they've won their two coming into this and crucially for them it was against teams they'd expect to be competing with uh, in Maidstone and Braintree uh, those are t- that's six points that they'll really wanted to pick up Bromley on the other hand I don't think they started the season in the first couple of games as they would have liked to but that's now four unbeaten uh, in a row which includes a really good draw against Wrexham as well so yeah I think that's a decent result for them uh, particularly it's going to feel like a win isn't it with two goals in stoppage time what we're going to do now is we're going to move on to the National League South but here's Martin Tyler Hi everyone I'm Martin Tyler you are listening to the NL Full Time Podcast and looking at the National League South well there's only one place to start really Tom isn't it? and that's down at Woking game you went to and it was fair to say it was an interesting game judging by your blog as well and um it was a fun day as well as well as an interesting day it, it was it was an eventful day um, it was one where the officials were very much at the forefront of attention it's the first time I've seen Billerick in town and it's the first time I've seen Woking at this level so I was committed to going to the match with an open mind when Jake Robinson got his 10th of the season uh, at the beginning with a penalty and it, and, it, and it was a penalty it was a deserved penalty I was pleased for him because uh, he seems like a, a really good bloke and he deserved his goal he's got 10 goals for the season already which is frankly astonishing but they've been earned as well I can't talk about the game without talking about Glenn Tamplin and he didn't cover himself in glory yesterday uh, he was abusive and aggressive at the side of the pitch he was finger jabbing the referee in the chest at the end of the match and you know attitude reflects leadership doesn't it and I think some of the Billericay players make it hard for themselves with their dissent and their approach to the referee and that comes from the management if the management don't allow it, then it won't happen. And it's a real shame because the Billericay players 
are very good players and there are some really like, great blokes in that team as well Glenn Tampen's done wonderful things at the club but at times his attitude and his approach to the actual 90 minutes on a Saturday does let him down and let his team down in terms of the game itself Woking's work rate I would say won this game um, they've brought over a good core of players from Hampton and Richmond with Alan Dowson and they've brought with them a real tenacity and work ethic it was what Alan Dowson likes to instill in his team uh, and, and obviously Martin has spoken about that when I spoke to Martin Tyler and it's that work rate that got them the game um, crucial to that was Paul Hodges who's not come over from Hampton and Richmond he's a school teacher who cycles to the games but his ability to pick up the ball and drive from deep was fantastic and that was really the catalyst for Woking coming back to win that I think there's an element of evening it up for Woking's penalty I'm not sure that it, it was a justified penalty uh, the red card was indisputable it was a, a blatant second bookable offence by Tamberson Young and I think that is what changed the game really I know Tamplin's spoken about uh, Hampton's second goal and was it offside was it handball I don't think it was either personally and what a start for Max Kretschmar as well we talk about Jake Robinson with his goals but Woking needed to replace Charlie Carter's 12 goals from midfield last season after he went to Chesterfield and they brought in Max Kretschmar and he's got seven already admittedly six of them have been penalties but uh, seven goals from eight game is a pretty exceptional return for a central midfielder yeah, it was, it was the battle of the top two, wasn't it? And it was battle of the top two goal scorers as well. And uh, after the game, you caught up with the top scorer in the National League South, Jake Robinson. I'm stood here with Jake Robinson after his side have just lost 2-1 to Woking. And Jake, you opened the scoring with your 10th of the season. How does it feel to hit that target so quickly in the year? Yeah, I mean, at the time, I was, I was delighted. Kind of my, you know, my, my role in the team is to get the goals, so glad I've been doing that consistently um, I've really enjoyed the start of the season I think it's been going really well um, but unfortunately ultimately I've come out of today feeling negative because of the result but yeah from a personal standpoint like, I'm, I'm obviously delighted to do it this early and, and hopefully there'll be many more to come Speaking of more to come you've hit 67 in, two se- in just over one season now have you set any personal targets for the year? I, I, I didn't to be honest I mean I didn't want anyone thinking last year was was just a fluke You know, I, I know I can do it um, so just just more of, more of the same really I mean Anytime I'm getting goals, that, uh, that's getting the team points. That's that's the most important. But you know, personally, I think just every striker probably aim for 20 league goals to start with, and then reassess when we get there. It's happen happening reasonably quick, so we might have to reassess a bit sooner. But um, no, to be honest, personally, personal goals. Um, you know, they're secondary to the team goals, which is obviously promotion in the year. Your goal set your team on a good start today, um, and up to half time, you look like the stronger side. I'd say. Where do you think the game got away from you in the second half? I think it, it was a scrappy game anyway. I think for, for both teams, not not just um, ourselves, but we looked good when we were moving the ball well. And I think I think the, the penalty that they scored kind of I don't think that affected us too much because you know referees always like to kind of even things up. So we, we were kind of expecting it. Um, like you said, I think we went in a half time feeling good. It's probably a fair result out of the half. And then uh, obviously the red card changes the game. But I mean neither teams really had any clear cut chances today. It, We've had one near the end with the header, and, and obviously they've they've taken their second one. So in a, in a close game, it's the small margins that make the big differences. And, and, and unfortunately, we weren't quite ruthless in, in front of goals today, and, and they were. And um, you know they've, they've come out with a point. So we're obviously disappointed given given the hard graph we've put in with 10 men in, in this heat against a good team. The sending off was probably the, the key turning point because once we went down to 10 men, you know we had probably four or five players on bookings anyway. It was hard to hard to get the ball back off. You talked about promotion being the target after eight games. You've won five. 
you sit in second in the league, Concord lost today. Does that represent a successful start of the season to you? Yeah, I think if you'd asked most of us before the season whether we, we would take that now, we probably would have said yes. I mean, obviously, the coaching staff here probably wouldn't have wanted two defeats, but you know, it, it happens in football. We've come up a we've come up a level. Obviously, Woking were a, were a level higher than this last year, so there's a two league difference. You know, three months ago, so I think we've we've quit ourselves well. I think end of the day, this league looks quite open this this year. From what I've seen, I've, I've watched the highlights from from every game, you know, every week, and I think it's it's a league that probably anyone can beat anyone on their day. So it's going to be the, the most consistent teams that they'll come out on top at the end of the year. Um, and we, we found this out last year, you know, at the end end of the season it's the best team that wins the league and it might take a bit longer than, than, than you think it's going to but you know there's 34 games to go so we're in a good position as long as we um, you know, we, we stay on a kind of consistent basis playing the way we have been um, there's going to be off days of course but you know, the best team always wins the league at the end of the year and then the final question there's been a lot of speculation about the management situation at Billericay over the last week and a half I'm not going to ask you about what's going on I know as a player it's not your part of ship but how does the uncertainty behind the scenes affect you guys when you step out onto the pitch? Yeah, I think probably it's, it's more during the week. I think once you get get to a Saturday at 3 o'clock and the whistle goes, you're not thinking about anything like that. You know, you just, you're fully focused on winning games and whoever's in charge and whoever's in the dugout. You know, you, you want to win it for yourself, your teammates and obviously for the league position. Um, during the week, it's obviously this week's been, been probably different to anything I've... Um, you know, I've come across in football to be honest. I'm not sure there've been many clubs who, who've had, you know, almost the confusion that we've had this week because it has been hard. You know, there's a lot of people asking what's going on, and we don't know the answers. And obviously, it's not really, like you said, it's not our, um, it's not our responsibility to, to know these things. We, we just as players, we're trying to get ourselves right. And training has been good this week. I think that's that's a credit to the club and and people like Tristan who have come in and taken training and kept everyone focused. And you try and put them things out out your mind the best you can. And and when it gets on a Saturday, then you know, you focus on the game, but it's, it's, it's hard. But you know, we're, we're trying to be professional. We're trying to. We've got players here who've played at high level and have, have dealt with a lot. So you know, we've got the mentality. I think, um, and I think you know, ultimately our performance today kind of showed that because I don't think we looked like we were a team. You know, we had, had a bit of a manic week. We looked, we looked pretty composed and all right. And we were, I think we we're unfortunate to not get anything out of the game. Great stuff. Thanks very much. Good luck for the season. Thank you. And that was Jake Robinson, and of course, he's pleased on a personal level, but disappointed with kind of the result and, and what maybe what's happening behind the scenes I mean what what do you make of it all you know with Harry Wheeler we spoke about it last week I think it's one defeat in 29 and I saw an interview with Glenn Tamplin after the game and he said unfortunately I don't think it'll be Harry so it's either it's a case of he doesn't think he's a big enough name I mean would he be looking at someone like say Jay Saunders even someone like Gary Hill who's an Essex boy who maybe wants to get back into management what did you what do you make of the whole situation uh, do you know what? I really don't know and that's what really comes across is that nobody seems to I think the answers are potentially held inside the head of one man and he's not sharing that information at the moment he's the owner that is his prerogative but it's not a good situation for the fans you know these guys pay their money to come and watch Billericay week in week out and there's a really good interview with uh, BBC Radio Essex which I highly suggest listening to if you get the time it's only five minutes long where the interviewer makes that point Billericay Town fans follow their club well there was a good group of them at the game yesterday but they deserve answers uh, it's been I think nearly 10 days now since uh, Harry Wheeler was sacked or not sacked or who knows and we're still none the wiser as Jake says in his interview there once they get on the pitch the players do their job and that's that but um, it would be a real shame if their season having started so promisingly is derailed by confusion and controversy behind the scenes 
Yeah, one place where there seems a lot of calm, though, is at Woking. And that win took them five points clear of Billericay. And you caught up with Sky Sports commentator and Woking assistant manager Martin Tyler after the game. I've stood here with Martin Tyler, part of the management and coaching team at Woking. First of all, congratulations on a good hard-fought result today. Is that how you expected the game to go? Yes, I think that's a fair. Uh, it was hard-fought, intense. Uh, they've obviously got a lot of backing for their ambitions and good luck to them for that, Villaricky. But that does put them on a pedestal where I guess every team in the league will want to give them a proper game, you know, and we're no different to that. I think we did do that. It's been strange this season. I mean, every game we've played at home, we've won, but we've always come from behind. It happened again today. <laughs> We can't keep going like that, but at the moment, uh, obviously, we're basking in the glory. It doesn't last very long, I promise you. An hour or so after the game, you're still thinking we play Concord next. So uh, the players can enjoy their evening, but we'll, we'll be thinking about the next game. Dawson, Ian, Dyer, and myself, uh, probably while we're having our food inside after the game. As you say, Concord next. Um, you've taken six points from a possible six against your rivals in the top four so far. Are you confident you can keep that going against Concord next week? Well, we'll be trying. I mean, that's uh, Dowsey's way of managing. He wants to win every game. We never go there with any other thought. Sometimes there are different ways to try and win it, but that's our ambition. That's what we uh, think we did at Hampton. We got, and they're going very well. A great uh, result for them as well. I think they're six, which is terrific. We're delighted. Gary McCann, who's uh, succeeded us at, uh, at the Beavery. So um, we'll do all we can to find out about Concord have had a couple of odd results recently compared to the way they started the season. So that may mean that they'll change their strategy I don't know but we've got uh, a full week which is unusual at this time of the season we're actually now down to Saturday 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 football you've, you've touched on Concord there you've taken six points from a possible six against your rivals in the top four Concord next are you confident you continue this run against them well we'll be trying because we do uh, try to win every match I think there's a different kind of expectation at working uh, obviously they've come down and when you're in a lower division as a fan they, they certainly expect you to bounce straight back up it's never that easy but we've made a, a reasonable start trying to do that and I think the teams like Billericay are our big, biggest rivals to be honest with you with the resource of the colour but play I mean last time I saw Jamie O'Hara I was commentating on him so uh, you know, they, they are pulling real talent and they'll have better days than today things went for us today as for Concord that's always a, an awkward trip um, we didn't have a very good record there with Hampton we've got to improve on that we'll be working hard all week to try and make that happen you mentioned Hampton there um, I watched you at Hampton a few times last season and the work ethic and tenacity that Hampton were known for was very evident today is that something that's crucial to your success this season? It's crucial to Alan Dowson management style and we all, Ian Dyer and myself, we, we obviously support that and try and make it happen. We don't allow the game to sort of drift really, even if we're not playing well we try and inject some pace into it. It's not always possible. We do rely on a certain calibre of player who's got the fitness to go with his finesse as well. But the boys have worked really hard. I mean, we had a great August. Lost the one game at Wheelstone, which was very tight to a, a late penalty. And we've been posting the results. I think we're still very much a work in progress. What I must tell you is we got the job on the final with Hampton and the playoff was made the 13th, I think. The 16th, we were here with no players. So we've started with a blank sheet of paper. And so it's a fantastic credit to the players what they've done um, to be brought in and be thrown together in the same dressing room. Obviously, there are a few who come from Hampton and one or two, like Nathan Collier, we worked with before. He, he was at Dartford, but he, he had been at Hampton. So um, sometimes a bit of familiarity does help, but they are, they're not special cases. Everybody has to do it the same way. They know perhaps maybe they can advise the other players, the new players, about 
how we go about things. But yeah, energy, pressing, it's very fashionable in football. I'm going to Watford to Tottenham tomorrow. I'm sure I'm see a faster, stronger, more athletic version of it. Players at the very top level of the game and it's just a privilege to be involved. I grew up as a non-league football fan. I played non-league football. I never thought I would coach non-league football, but Dowse gave me the opportunity back in 2005 and somehow we're still going. Fantastic. Thanks very much and good luck for the season. Thanks. And that was Martin Tyler and it was good to hear him uh, not only praise his players but praise Hampton and Richmond Bury who will come on to shortly as well. But he, he seems like he's a kind of maybe the calmness behind Alan Dowson's not madness as such but he's like the good cop yeah and I definitely think that knowing Alan Dowson very well there's probably an element of him translating because uh, I tell you what I, I can't understand a word Alan Dowson says in that Geordie <laughs> accent but also you know Martin Taylor just, what an absolute gent he is um, and it's been a really really good week for Woking they've taken six points from six against Eastbourne Borough obviously that Billy Ricky Town yesterday they've got Concord up next who've now conceded nine goals in two games if they can win that as well that's three of their their rivals in the top four and they're looking really good you looking at it now I mean Woking were always the favourites it was difficult to see how did Reactor going down because some teams like Torquay we'll get onto in a minute were kind of feeling sorry for themselves and Woking were at the end of the season and you thought out the two that came down into the south that Torquay uh, would probably do better than Woking but it's not panned out that way has it it hasn't, and um, as you said, I, I spoke about it on my blog, uh, Woking came down having picked up only 14 points from a possible 66 after the turn of the year. It was an astonishingly bad run that saw them relegated, um, and it would be very easy for them to feel sorry for themselves. However, as Martin talked about, three days after the playoff final, himself, um, Alan Dowson and Ian Dyer were brought over to Woking, and they started recruiting. They didn't feel sorry for themselves, they didn't, uh, you know, wail and moan and put on the sackcloth and ashes. They just got stuck into building a new squad for the new season. When they arrived down at Woking, they had no players. They had an empty dressing room. And what they built there is from scratch. And frankly, it's looking good. Five points clear after only eight games is a tremendous start. And we mentioned Torquay. They got, well, a pressure-relieving win, I think, on Gary Hours yesterday. A 2-0 win over Hemel Hempstead. They're still in the bottom half of the table, though, Tom. And... Um, yeah, the pressure is on Gary Hours. He'll be mighty relieved with that, won't he? Yeah, massively so. Um, and I think, to a degree, some of that pressure on Gary Hours is a little unjustified. Relegated teams traditionally do find it difficult to readjust to the division. Not everyone can do what Woking have gone and done. Um, as we've discussed, Barnett and Chesterfield are proving that point in the, in the National League. I think some of the vitriol towards Gary Hours is personal. Some of the way that the Torquay fans are some of their players at times is quite unpleasant in particular Jamie Reid gets a lot of sticks so it was nice to see him get one of the goals yesterday for Torquay um, and the other scorer Asa Hall has been a really inspired signing from Barrow with him and Ryan Dixon in midfield once they've got a bit of game time together I don't think you'll see many better central midfield partnerships at this level another team who were surprising at the start of the season um, I mean you spoke about it a couple of weeks ago saying you might not stay up there maybe the fixtures have been kind to them Maurice Borough they got a win at Western Supermary slumped to the bottom I predicted them to go down so I'm quite pleased with that well not obviously <laughs> I'm pleased with my prediction I'm not gloating about Western Supermary at all but it was a good win for East Bond the only time they've lost in, the last, in recently is against Woking as you said yeah they've had a, a really good start and as you say like potentially unexpected I certainly didn't see them starting the season this well they're up in third I don't think any of us expected it they've only lost one in their last six and considering how narrowly, narrowly they avoided relegation last season they finished 18th um, Jamie Howell's done a great job Western Supermare though are 
in trouble, really. They've dropped off ever since they lost Dale Grubb to Forest Green Rovers. Gethin Hill picked up the slack last season, but no goals in seven games so far for him. And bottom with two points from eight isn't a good look. They've got Hampton and Richmond Borough away next week, so it doesn't get any easier for them, and they really need to start picking up points fast. Yeah, teams who are picking a team who is picking up points fast are well in there. They've flown up the table in the last couple of weeks, and they beat Oxford City with a, the last kick yesterday. Well, Steve King's uh, he's weaving his magic again, isn't he? Yeah, he is, and he's. Uh, I spoke about it a few weeks ago. Again, he had a fantastic end of season run with Whitehawk in the National League South, come up to Welling, and. He has immediately installed them as the division's entertainers. Welling's games have seen 27 goals so far this season. Only Chippenham have been involved in more. The joint top scorers are up to fifth. Uh, 3-2 win against Oxford. Brendan Kiernan got another goal. That's five for him. But you've also got Thierry Aldell with four. Bradley Goldberg with three. You know They're spreading the goals around the team nicely. And they, just, they look like a great team to watch. And well done as well too, chipping them. You mentioned them there. They got a win against Billericay last weekend, and then they beat the other Essex team this weekend at home by four goals to one. Concord Rangers, and although they're mid-table, they are entertaining as you say. They've played eight, won four, lost four, scored fourteen, conceded fourteen. So it's not dull down there, is it? Absolutely not. Um, and I tell you what, they've clearly got something about the uh, county of Essex, haven't they? Chelmsford City must be absolutely bricking it about when they have to play them. In terms of the result yesterday, what you know, what fantastic form for Chippenham. They've beaten Billericay and Concord in the last two weeks with a goal difference of 6-2. As for Concord, um, great start to the season, but that's now three, uh, three failures to win on the trot. And they've conceded nine get- goals in their last two. And as we've spoken about earlier, it doesn't get any easier for them because it's Woking next. And... Uh, on current form you wouldn't really fancy them to get much out of that no they're, they're in 7th Concord a point ahead of Gloucester City Tom <laughs> you got a win yesterday away at Hungerford the Gloucester City fans might be getting on to you soon a bit Tom yeah yeah I can expect a few um, gloating messages um, you know I predicted them to go down I thought they would struggle and they still could but uh, they're now unbeaten in 4 and 8th uh, in the league after 8 games it's a really good start and uh, they are proving their fans right who are so confident they could avoid a relegation scrap one note of caution is I would say that of those last 4 unbeaten games 3 of them have been against Dulwich, Torquay and Hungerford who've all got sort of few travails of their own to greater or lesser degrees it'll be interesting to see how they get on when they come up against some of the bigger sides in the league and how their slightly smaller squad fares once we get into the mire around uh, Christmas time you know fair play to them and congratulations their management team down there have done a great job so far and uh, they, they're where they are on merit the team who came up last season were Dulwich and they've not had a, a great start I don't know whether not playing at home's affected them in a way because they have got good support and there was a lot expected of them but they lost again yesterday to Martin Tyler and Alan Dowson's old team Hampton and Borough Hampton and Richmond Borough uh, they lost at home by two goals to nil yeah they did and um, on, on Hampton and Richmond Borough first I'm really pleased with how quickly um, Gary McCann's hit the ground running there I felt for Hampton and Richmond um, the ink wasn't dry on the newspapers talking about their playoff loss when they lost their management team and half their squad um, so Mr McCann's done a great job to come in from Hendon and, and, and keep morale high really um, you know they're up in sixth position and it's it's great to see for them as for Dulwich I thought they would start the season a little bit better to be honest I like the team down there and I like Gavin Rose as I've made no secret the goals yesterday Chris Dixon's really hit the ground running since his move from Chelmsford and it was good to see Craig Dundas on the score sheet as well uh, I think he's about 45 46 now 
Um, and the Sutton Legends just a real evergreen of the National League, isn't it? Yeah, the last team I really wanted to talk about was uh, St Albans City, who got a really good result against Dartford yesterday um, after making wholesale changes to their squad this week. A tempestuous fixture against Billericay last week saw Harold Joseph uh, punch Bangaring, draw blood, um, and he was released this week along with two other players, Roman Michael Purcell and Tariqa Zilmore. Bit of turmoil down at Clarence Park. Um, I, I saw Bangaring yesterday, he's still got quite a black eye. But they brought in Clovis Camjo and Lewis Knight, who both went straight into the squad. Um, and a 2 0 win against Starford is a really good result for them. Solomon Sambu got his first for the season, uh, and he's a player I really like. Whereas Dartford are down in 16th, uh, which isn't a good look for them. Only East Thurrock have scored less, and they're really struggling to put the ball in the net at the moment. Uh, their top scorer is Elliot Bradbrook with two, and they must really be ruining not keeping hold of Alex Wall, who joined them in the summer and has now scored seven for Concord. What's gone wrong down at Darford, do you think, this year? Tony Berman going out is a massive upheaval. Um, you know, you're looking at an Arsene Wenger out of Arsenal size upheaval, really. But also, they lost Alfie Pavey and Dwayne Aforiakiampong and now Andy Pugh to a leg break. That's a lot of goals and also a complete uh, style shift in how they're playing up front. And to be quite honest, the players they brought in just haven't, haven't really cut the mustard so far up front. Uh, I spoke to a friend of mine who's a Darford fan the other day. And he was saying that when he goes to the games, he just can't see where the goals are going to come from. They've brought in Kudos Oyanuga from Chelmsford City. You never know what you're going to get from him, to be honest. Um, Delaney, Sam York and Ches Isaac don't seem to be doing the job for them at the moment. And it's no surprise to see that in the midweek they signed Charlie Sheringham from Hemel Hempstead because uh, they, they've clearly recognised that it's goals that is costing them league position at the moment excellent well Tom thanks for joining us uh, and looking over the National League and the National League South for us and we'll speak to you soon great stuff have a good one hi I'm Adam Summerton you're listening to the NL Full Time Podcast so now we'll have a look at the National League North and because Chris is busy in Indonesia watching Sung Hyun Min avoid national service for Korea uh, we have drafted in Rich Rich Wharton or Bucks Writer as he's known on Twitter to look through the National League North for us hello Rich hi there good to speak to you again yeah, great stuff. And, and we'll start off with your team, Telford, who are, are flying up to second, only being kept off, kept off the top by the, the irrepressible Charlie at the minute, and a good come from behind win against Ashing United on Saturday. Yeah, it was. Um, it, it was a, a bit of a, a different kind of win for us. Ashton were really well set up, and I think we had a, a little bit of a, a stroke of luck about it. I know I spoke to the manager afterwards, and he said some of that luck comes from from hard work and just carrying and doing the things that he's told them to do. So. Uh, yeah, and another two goals for Daniel Udo as well, so he's up to seven. Uh, Bucks fans are loving him at the moment. And that makes him joint top scorer alongside Jordan Hume. Um, for Ashton, it was, it's a bit of a strange one. I think that's about the fourth time this season they've been leading a game and thrown it away, and uh, they must be absolutely devastated with that again. And it's, it's, it's slumped them towards... They're in 17th place at the minute, but they've played a couple more games than teams below them. Yeah, they were, they were a bit unfortunate yesterday, I have to say. Telford equalised... And at the point where they equalised, Ashton made two substitutions, which used up all the ones they'd got. And then Alan Chalmers got injured within about a minute of that, and they went down to 10 men. You know, it's perhaps just one of those things that happen when things aren't going for you. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how, how they can turn it around from that. As I say, the only team standing above Telford and top place are Charlie. Now, we interviewed Jamie Vermiglio last week. They'd had a 100% record up until then. Of course, curse of the podcast, he didn't win yesterday. But it was a different type of result for them, Rich, because they were 2-0 down at Brackley and he came back. So it was a, he'll be pleased in that sense, won't he, that they've shown a bit of character to come from behind because it's the first time they'll have trailed this season. 
Yes, he will. He'll have learned something about them from yesterday. Um, I'd go so far as to say it's probably a draw that feels like a win when you're 2-0 down. At a good team like Brackley and you come back to draw two each, yeah, they'll be disappointed. They're not 100% anymore. But it shows that there's that belief and that that character in the team to come back and and get a point when things weren't looking good for them. Are you surprised, Richard, how Brackley've started? I mean, they're only only in eighth, but they've set high standards over the last couple of seasons, haven't they? They, Yes, I I suppose I'm a little bit surprised by it. Um, I think probably losing the goals of Aaron Williams with him joining Harrogate in the summer might have been the concern for them. But you look at the Brackley team and think that there's enough quality in that team to to make up, you know, any difference. I think they've just been a little bit indifferent so far. Their season finished a little bit late with the trophy final, so whether that's had a you know, a bit of a hangover effect, I don't know. But I'm I'm not expecting Brackley to be to be languishing. I still think they'll be a playoff contender. A team who snuck up into third place were Alfredton, and that's four wins on the spin for them. Uh, they won one nil up at Darlington, and, and it's old Billy Heath. He's do, he's doing it again, isn't he? Yes, he is. I mean, we we've said we've joked about uh, Alfredton and said that you know Billy's got the band back together again, and you know he's gone back to players that he knows who were tried and trusted, and they're they're doing what Billy Heath teams do. You know, they're looking strong at home. They their last two away wins, they've ground out a couple of one nils. And I think even yesterday, I think that was when they went down to 10 men for the last 10 minutes or so, and they still saw the game through. So, yeah, I'm, I'm expecting them to be in and around the playoff places again. A team who surprised this year, Lemington, they're in the playoffs. They only suffered their second defeat of the season on Saturday at Stockport County. The other one was at Hereford, so there's no shame in going to those teams and losing, but I know you played them over the bank holiday weekend, and what did you make of Lemington? I thought Lemington... Um, gave Telford the, the hardest game they've had. I, I described it as being not the best team that we've played, but certainly the one that gave us the most trouble. Um, I think in Matt Stenson and Jack Edwards up front, they've got two guys who will be a handful for a lot of teams. I think they almost kind of revel in sort of like being this this underdogs tag. I think they like the idea that people will write them off as it's only Little Lemington. Mm. Um, but th- there's much more to them than that. They um, and that yeah, they gave us a tough time. Yeah, is it is it one of those cases where because I've been to Leamington's ground before, it's it's a quaint little ground in the middle of of nowhere basically. And do you think teams turn up and think, oh, it's just a nice little team they'll roll uh, roll over for us, and, and you get a bit of a shot? I, I think perhaps that is the case sometimes. And <clears throat> as I say, I think Leamington themselves uh, perhaps enjoy that tag. Um, and yeah, they'll, they'll we got a, a two all draw after being behind. And I think that there are other clubs that will. Um, you know, similarly go there and, and, and have to work really hard to get something. A game yesterday that was kind of um, a battle of the heavyweight. Two traditional teams was Hereford and York and I imagine it sounded like a great game down at Edgar Street. It finished on as even in the end and I think York will be happy with the point and Hereford will be. Yes, I would have thought so. Away from home, you know, you, you can't... Uh, getting any point away from home is is a, is a good result. Hereford have, have started fairly well um, and I think they'll you know they've got they will have hopes of going higher so yeah that that's you know a decent result for both teams there I think Now we talked about Nuneaton Borough last week it being in a bit of turmoil but they pulled off a massive result at, by winning at, at Curzon Ashton on Saturday and it, and it lifts them off the bottom momentarily FC United play on Sunday as we record this podcast they're at home to Bradford Park Avenue but psychologically that'll do Nuneaton a lot of good to get them off the bottom of the table for now Yes it will and, it, and getting that first win as well I think I, I look at the table 
I think both Nunny and Nankers, and I think they've only they both only scored five goals each, and you'd 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 worry for them when they've only got five goals after this stage of the season that that might be the problem for them where's where are they going to get the goals from you know one proved to be enough for Nuneaton yesterday and it will be a big morale boost for them but yeah it, it's if they can find it's finding more getting the ball in the net more it's going to be the problem now last time you were on Rich you, we talked about Southport you played them opening game of the season you said it, a bit of surprise at how they played well I mean they're in the bottom three still now aren't they and it, 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 it looked like they were going to pick up the three points on Saturday but they were denied by a last minute Glenn Taylor goal there for spending more to grab a point and they're still struggling aren't they Southport they are I mean that's still only one win from the eight games that they played I mean they must have felt that they were set for another three yesterday and then to concede in the 90th minute whether that just says there's something about you know just a, a little bit of a lack of Resolve and been able to see it through, but you know, credit to Spennymore as well. They they started the season indifferently, but got a two 0 win at Boston last weekend. Get a point at Southport, so they're starting to pick up. So perhaps we shouldn't, you know, be too harsh on them and, and praise Spennymore a bit more. Gonna say, do, do you think the table? They say the table doesn't lie, and, and to look at ten games, well, we're nearly at the ten game mark. Although you look at teams like Chester because of their problems, they've only played five. FC have got a couple of games in hand as well. But do you think, looking at the table now, uh, as it stands, that you'd expect it to be like that? Or do you think it's, oh, it's a bit, there's some teams who shouldn't be there who are in different places to where they should be, really? I think there's certainly some teams who are in positions that people wouldn't have expected them to be in. Whether they can actually do anything about changing that is is the situation now. If you look at it, I I, I get a feeling, or you're starting to get a feeling for who is going to be certainly top half teams this season and who is likely to be the ones who are fighting against relegation but yeah I mean there's a couple of surprising ones in there I mean Darlington were a team that were quite heavily fancied um, and, and they're towards the bottom we go to them next week with Telford they still haven't got a home win yet um, and I think there's some pressure growing on manager Tommy right there yeah, I think, well, Tommy Wright, I think it, it turned out he was about the 23rd choice that they had, you know, on the list, so uh, I don't think, he, well, he certainly wasn't first choice at Darlington, and the Darlington fans, they're prepared to give him a chance reading their phone, but like you say, if Telford go up there and turn them over next week, then there could be some pressure on him, especially if results start to go against them, because as I said, he played three more than Chester, he played two more than FC United, who were only three points behind him, so yeah, interesting times up there. As for your boys, do you think Telford can stay in the playoff places? I very much hope so. I mean, we're kind of showing the kind of qualities that I think you know you, you need up there. I think yesterday's win was the second time we've come from behind to win a game this season and the third time that where we've been behind and have actually got something out of a game I think it took us till some point in April last season before we actually managed to achieve that in a game so you can see that the, the turnaround that there's been and I think a lot of that just comes down to belief really that, that the players if they go a goal behind or if things aren't going well they just still believe that they can get something out of the game I think that's passing that's the fans are starting to pick up on that as well um, and I'm hoping it'll be sort of like a, a snowball rolling downhill really they'll just gather momentum um, but still a long way to go we've you know we've only played eight games out of 42 Excellent well we'll look forward to see how the season progresses in the National League North and thanks for joining us Rich You're very welcome thanks very much So that is it for this week thank you all for listening if you want to get in touch with us it's at NL Full Time on Twitter NL Full Time on Facebook or you can email us nlfulltime at gmail.com 
we'll be back next week maybe without me because I'm <laughs> I'm having a little short break so stay tuned to see who is presenting the show next weekend until then happy football watching and I'll see you all soon